Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Amen. Isn't it good to know he's good? You know, took me a while to figure that out. Just to know that God was good. What a blessing to know how good he really is. Amen. Amen. Why don't we pray before we get in the word, Father? We just thank you tonight for the word of God. We thank you that it feeds us tonight. We need to be fed. <laughs> we need some correction. We need some instruction. And I thank you that the word is good for that. It was sent for that. And so we ask you by the Holy Ghost to open our hearts, open our minds. We pray tonight and believe that we have eyes that see, spiritual eyes that see, and spiritual ears that do hear. Hallelujah! We are no longer in the darkness. And we no longer allow ourselves to be spiritually blinded by the enemy, by the devil who seeks to blind and seeks to deceive. But not me. I say not me. I say the Holy Ghost opens my heart, opens my mind, gives me eyes that see and ears that hear tonight. And we just give you praise for that because only you can do it. You have allowed us to know what we know from your word. You have allowed us to see the wisdom of God. It is spiritually discerned. So thank you for sending the Holy Ghost. He lives on the inside of each of us. And I thank you that he helps us tonight to understand and know your word. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here tonight. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter uh, 24. And I've been in this uh, passage quite a bit. Uh, I had somebody not too long ago, they said, Are we still talking about, uh, you know, us kind of being in the end times? I said, Well, it's where we're at. So, you know. You're ready for me to move on to something else. I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, this is just where we're at. And uh, I, love, I love the Lord in, in the way he uh, is a Lord to us, in the way that he helps us. You know, he guides us so specifically through every season of our life. How many know that to be true, that in your own personal life, he will give you specific things to prepare you, uh, to give you instruction about things beforehand so that you're not caught off guard and you know how to get through it. And, you know, he's done the same for us in his word. He's given that same kind of guidance and instruction to us uh, for this time, for the church as a whole. And so it's important that we be paying attention Not to maybe necessarily what we want to hear, but to what the Lord is saying and to what he's already said about this season and about this time. And when we see what he's shown us, it, it, would, it would be good for us to follow that. And I like what one scripture said. It's, it's over in Psalms. It says, my soul, you know, you remember that scripture says, my soul follows hard after thee. Remember that scripture? My soul follows hard after thee. I was thinking about that verse 
recently, you know, um, I don't know about you, but that's where I'm at. Like every day, okay, Lord, <laughs> what now? Because I'm following him. If he makes a move, I want to make a move. If he veers over here, I want to veer over there. I'm, I'm following hard after him. Uh, I remember Scott Webb. Y'all remember Pastor Scott? He's been here a few times. He was uh, sharing about an experience that he had that really, really describes um, that verse real well. He said, you know, he said, somebody for my birthday bought me one of those race car experiences. You know, you can go down here to the Pomona Speedway or whatever, and, and you can actually, like, drive a race car on the track. You know, if you're into that kind of thing, he's into that kind of thing, and somebody bought him, you know, that experience. So for several hours, you know, they put the, you know, the suit on him, and, and he got to get in the, the, the car, and, and they, they walked him through everything and, and trained him in some things. And then it was time to actually do it, to get out there on a, on a real racetrack in a real race car and go like, I mean, I don't know, how, how fast did they go? I mean, it's over 100 mile an hour, I know that. Is it close to two? Well, baby, why haven't you asked to do this? Because you like to drive fast, so I figured, you know. But he was talking about that, and he said, he said it was interesting how they did that. He said how they, what they told me to do was they put a car in front of me. And they said, this car is going to be your guide. And so you don't have to be thinking too much about anything, even as you're driving 200 miles an hour. Just follow real close to that car in front of you. And if he switches lanes, you switch lanes. If he veers up into that other lane, you just follow him. You just, you just stay close to him and you follow his lead. And when he was talking about that, I thought of that scripture. We're going to follow hard after God in this season and in this time. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to get through it. We're going to run our race. Hallelujah. We're going to bring a lot of fruit with us. It's exciting. But Jesus in this passage over in Matthew 24, he talks to them about this season and, and it, and it kind of gives you an idea of, of where we're going and things that we're going to face. Over here in, in Matthew 24, go to verse 3. It says, And he, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of of the world and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying I am the Christ and shall deceive many and we've been talking about that on Sunday mornings but he goes on to say in verse 6 and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nation shall rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes, and diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. And I believe that that's the time that we are in, the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. 
And then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Now look at verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now that's the part I want to really focus in on tonight. That's what the Lord really dropped in my heart. I want to read that to you out of some other translations. I think it will help you uh, understand it a little bit better. Can we put that first slide up there? In the NLV it says this. It says, because of people breaking the laws and sin being everywhere, have we seen much of these things? Because of people breaking the laws, sin being everywhere, the love. See, this is what it can do. This is what it can do to you. Say, not me. The love in the hearts of many people will become cold. The CEV says evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. I think the ERV says it best. It says there will be so much more evil in the world that the love of most believers will grow cold. And so we see something here that's going to happen. It's going to happen. More evil, more wrongdoing, more sin abounding, more darkness. We're going to see all of these things take place. But what we have to guard ourselves against is that affecting our hearts to the place where, you know, we just can't stand people in the world. We're so fed up with them, we don't want to have anything. I, you know what, I don't even care about them anymore. To hell with all of them. See, that can happen to anybody, even people in the church. And I'm going to tell you, it's happening even now, and we've got to guard ourselves. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said the people of God have to watch that they remain, this is the word he gave me, tenderhearted in this time. You've got to remain, even with everything we're, we're seeing experiencing around us. Things may even come to a, a personal level in your life. But you have to remain tenderhearted. Why? Because you have the answer that the world needs. I mean, I was just, I was just, just looking at some things the other day, and I thought, gosh, I mean, the world is so bad. I mean, it is just bad. It's like rampant. I mean, it's like people are spiritually stupid, supernaturally stupid, supernaturally blind. There is a spiritual blindness on people right now to where they can't even see how wrong it is what they're doing. And the only thing that can change it at this point is a move of God. That's the only thing that can change this. That's the only thing that can even make a difference right now is God moving. 
and his spirit moving in the earth through his church, through his people. And that's why we've got to guard our hearts against this hardening, this coldness, to where we don't love people, and we got to guard against that because we hold the answer for the world. That is what we are here for. That's what we're here to do is to present Jesus, the answer, the God of love, the God who gave his only begotten son for them so that they could have everlasting life, so that they could be delivered out of the darkness that they live in and walk in every day and come into the glorious light, come into this life of victory. Come into this place where they receive eternal life with God. I'm telling you, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but the church is here. You are here. But are we willing to keep our hearts tender towards those who are so offensive? Amen. Let me just give you another verse. Can we put that, that second slide up here? I hope this is coming home. You know what I mean? You know, there, there's times we, we like to hear certain messages, but we think it's for the person across the room, or we think it's for that church down the street. No, this is for you. And this is for me. Because I'm telling you, we all can get to that place where we're so fed up that we become cynical and hard-hearted. Being hard-hearted is one of the worst things that can happen to you. I'm going to prove it to you tonight. And it can happen to anybody. Let me, let me just read this to you because we don't have a lot of time. I just had to sing that last song. worshiping the Lord and eating into my preaching time. That second slide, I love this one in Proverbs 4 and verse 20 in the New King James. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence, your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. So we have to guard our heart in this time that we don't grow cold, that we don't grow hardened. Why? Because there's something in us. There's life in us. I tell you, you think about that at the new birth. Jesus moved in you. The Holy Ghost moved in you. He's not somewhere else. He's in you. And his life needs to come out. That's the answer for this world. But see, we got all these distractions going on. We've got an enemy in this world that is targeting you and targeting the attitude of your heart. He's targeting the attitude of your heart with all these offensive things happening, with all these offensive people. I mean, even in the church, you got people offended at each other. People get offended at, well, pastor, they're mad because you said such and such. Well, I just got to go on. You know what? I just got to go on. If they get mad because we preach the truth, I just got to go on. But I can't let that affect my heart to where I get caught up and get offended at them. I can't get offended at those offended at me. 
I got to guard my heart and I got to go on. I've got to watch over my heart because out of my heart flows an answer. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at some things. I wrote this down. Uh, go over to Ephesians 4. And while you're going over there, I'll just this is how the Lord spoke it to me. Maybe this was just for me. Maybe it's for you too. <laughs> because I thought to myself, so I thought, well, Lord, you know, we have to be strong. He said, you can be strong and be tenderhearted at the same time. He's, this is what he spoke to me. He said, while we are being strong, while you're being strong in your stand for God and for his word, for truth and for righteousness, you still have to remain tenderhearted. And who he brought to my um, uh, mind was Jesus. You know, Jesus, I'm going to tell you something, there wasn't anybody stronger than him. Nobody questioned where he stood on anything. He emptied out a temple. You know what I'm saying? They didn't sit back and wonder if he was for what they were doing. It was obvious his position and his stand. And it was a righteous stand. But he was also tender. He was also tender-hearted, even towards people that were involved in sin. You look at the woman at the, at the well. You know, her life was a mess. She was involved in things that she probably knew better than to be involved in. But notice how Jesus dealt with her. He dealt with her tenderly. He dealt with her gently. He dealt with her with compassion. Same way with the woman that was brought to him that was caught in the act of adultery, involved in something wrong, involved in something sinful. But how did he deal with her? He dealt with her in love. And so we have to follow him in that, that, that he, he saw sin, he was exposed to sin. Uh, you know, he felt the same about it as his father did, but he was gentle in how he dealt with people because he loved people. We got to keep on loving people. We got to keep on blessing people. We got to keep on reaching out to people even though they're being unlovable. And I'll prove it to you from the scripture. You get anything out of this? Stay in Ephesians 4. I just want to read you a different scripture in John 15, 5. We'll just put it on the screen. Um, so we know that Jesus was tenderhearted. We see that in his life and ministry. But this is something you have to really recognize about you. And that is that same spirit is in you. That same spirit is in you. The spirit of God, the spirit of love is in you and it has this expression connected to it which is being tender or being tender-hearted. This is a great verse, John 15, 5. It says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing. So he's the vine, we're the branches and this is how this works. Get this visual. His life is flowing through us. His 
character is flowing through us. His personality. Well, that's just not me. Well, we're not talking about you. God don't want you to be seen. He wants himself to be seen through you. And the love of God and the tenderness of God and the gentleness, these are all expressions of him. And these are things in us that he wants us to express to the rest of the world. He doesn't want us to suppress it. And I would say this, I was thinking about this. Not only should we express it, we should grow in it. We really need to develop in this to the point to where the love of God is just so seen in us. And you remember that scripture, the love of God, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. The goodness of God, His love, these expressions of His love, that's what leads people to repentance. Hallelujah. I know it's real quiet in here. But it's good. This is good anyway. Because it's where we're at. I listen to people talk. If they had a hammer, they'd bring it down on the whole world. If they were God, there'd already be an explosion. You know what I mean? But that's not how God feels about things. He's long-suffering. He's patiently waiting for that harvest. And we just can't get something in our heart. See, the, our, our hearts are the issue here. The issue is not the world. The world's going to be the world. The issue is your heart. The issue is your attitude. The issue is you not losing perspective of why you're here. You're here for them. We're here for them. We are servants. And we better never forget that. Jesus came to be a servant. And we are here to serve this world and to tell them about Jesus, though they hate us. And they're going to hate us. Did you not read that part? How are you going to handle the hate? How are you going to handle the sin and the darkness and the vile sin? I mean, a lot of it's not just like, I don't know, well, sin is sin. Well, some of it's pretty nasty and pretty filthy. How are we going to handle it? We've got to watch that our hearts remain tender, our hearts remain soft, because we're here for one reason, and that is to be an answer for them. Um, Ephesians 4, you over there, I want to show you what having a tender heart looks like. You know, sometimes you, 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 you say words, and um, in your mind, 
you understand what that word means, but sometimes it's hard to define it. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that with certain words? It's hard to define it. Like gentleness. What, what does gentleness mean? Well, sometimes it's just hard to define it, but we know when we see it. You know what I mean? Or when, when we are given other descriptive words, a lot of times that's why we look words up because we find other words that we're not thinking of to help us to describe what that looks like. Well, what does having a tender heart look like? Well, the Bible tells you. And it shows you what it looks like in action. Anybody interested in this tonight? So, so quiet. I mean, we've got church mice over here too, I guess. Ephesians 4 and verse 32, we're going to look at what having a tender heart looks like. And if you've got time, this, this whole uh, chapter here is, is great instruction for every believer. But we're just going to look at verse 32 <clears throat> because it, it talks about what we're talking about tonight. It says in verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So <clears throat> there's words in this verse that it's interesting. When I studied this, these words, all these, these same words just kept popping up, popping up, popping up, and all these other verses. So that gives you a clue at what's connected to tenderheartedness and what it looks like. And the first one we see here, and be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. The first word that's mentioned here is kind. Kindness. Kindness. That's what being tenderhearted towards people looks like. Kindness. You know, kindness, if you, if you look it up, it goes to how you treat people. What you do towards people. Come on now. It's awfully quiet in here. How you treat people. How you talk to people. What you do to people. How you interact with people. Another word that's not in here, but gentleness is a word that's connected to this. Just being gentle with people. A soft answer. Oh, man, we're, we're loving this. I mean, y'all are just amening me down to the floor. Go over to Ephesians 2. Just flip over a few pages. Let's look at this. Kindness. Well, I don't want to be kind. They cuss like a sailor and they're swingers. My neighbors are, I mean, I've heard it all. My neighbors are swingers. I just don't have anything to do with them. Well, could you be kind? I'm going to tell you something. There's a light on your life. 
When you serve God, when you live for God, there is a light on you. There is a peace that is seen on your life. There is a joy that is seen on your life. And people don't verbalize, oh, I see the light on you. No, they don't say that. They don't even know what it is. I see the glory. They probably never even said the word glory in their life. They're not churchy people. You know what I mean? We, 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 got, we think it's got to have all the church lingo on it. That's not it. It's just there's a difference. There's a difference in God's people. I was talking to a lady. She's a hospice nurse. She's a friend of mine from back home. She said, you know, she goes, she goes, I can always tell when my patient is a Christian. She said, because of the peace. The peace. They've got a peace. That's, that's just, that she said, now, when they're not safe, she goes, it doesn't matter how much morphine I give them or whatever. She goes, they, 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 they're restless. They have absolutely no peace. But she said, when they're a Christian, Every single time they rest, they have a peace on them without even the medication. She said there's just something about the peace of God on a believer's life. So these things, without us even verbalizing them, are seen. They're seen. And so people, when they hit crisis, when they want answers, I'm going to tell you something. God has put people in their path, in their life, that ding, 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 they know who to go to. I've experienced this. With people not even knowing that I'm a pastor's wife. When we used to do things with the kids, you know, travel ball, we would not tell people that we were pastors. But yet it was amazing how many people, because our names are on the, you know, baseball list. Can I talk to you? My husband and I are going through problems, and you just seem like a good person to talk to. What is that? That's the light. That's the light. And so you take that as an opportunity to introduce them to the one who has all the, I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 2. We're talking about kindness. i got to hurry. Ephesians 2. And look at verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins. And notice this. This is something that happened when you and I were dead in our sins and when we were enemies to God. Notice what he did. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus, for by grace, oh man, why did he give us grace? Because of his love and because of his kindness. Like God's nice. He's really nice and really kind. 
he showed us grace. I love this. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So God showed us kindness. Do you see it? He showed us kindness and he showed us grace. Lord, help us <laughs> to show grace to other people. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I know that we are in this last days. Oh, man, we're going to have to be unbending when it comes to righteousness, the truth, Right is right, wrong is wrong, and we cannot be willing to compromise that. But when you're dealing with people that are in the wrong, remember how God dealt with you when you were wrong. Because you haven't always been right. Is this just, you know what I'm saying? Are we just cutting it right down to the cob? I know we like to think we've always been right, but we have not always been right. And we have to remember that not everybody has the same light. There is a spiritual blindness that's happening right now with people. And so we have to be led by the Spirit and be led by grace, be unbending in our position and in our stand, but be gracious in those that we are dealing with because there are different levels of light. I will tell you that right now. I remember this one gal. This was a few years ago. I laugh about this because I remember it was like it was yesterday. We had this gal that uh, got saved at one of our uh, outreaches. And I just, I just really loved her. She was spunky and all this. But uh, she had a lot of things going on in her life. She had a really tough life. You know what I mean? Just... A lot of things. She came out of prostitution. She was living on somebody's couch and was basically homeless and, you know, it was not a good environment. And here she was, you know, you know, interested in growing in the things of God. But you know what I mean? She kept being around all that other stuff. But she kept coming to church. And when she come, you know, we love on her and encourage her and talk to her. And she just kept coming back, coming back. One day, it was, I don't know if it was a Sunday or a, a Wednesday, but I'd ventured out of the back room to figure, you know, talk to somebody in the sanctuary. And this little girl comes up to me. And she goes, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Lisa, this woman kicked all of us kids out of the bathroom and she's in there smoking pot. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I've got to preach here. Just, we got somebody smoking pot, smoking pot. So I'm running down there, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, my God. Are you serious? Ugh. So anyway, 
uh, you know, I go in there, and there's all these little girls, you know, you know, standing around the door. She's in there. She's in there. So I walk in there, and sure enough, somebody's smoking pot in there. And I'm thinking, who in the world is in here smoking pot? And then it dawned on me, it's probably so-and-so. So <laughs> I go to the stall. You know, it's all locked up, and I'm knocking on it. And I'm calling her name, and she's not saying anything. I go, I know you're in there. And I can smell what you're doing. I go, I just, I just want to talk to you. Can I just talk to you? I said, I'm not mad, okay? I'm not mad. You can't bring your marijuana here, okay? You can't smoke pot at church. And you don't need to bring it to church. But I go, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to stop coming. I need you to keep coming to church. Please keep coming to church. Because you need what we're sharing. The word will change your life. I know you have a desire and a hunger for God to move in your life. And I go, I don't think any different of you. I'm not mad at you. You know, we just can't do that here. But I need you to keep coming. And so she kept coming. We kept loving on her, kept encouraging her and all these. And, you know, she kept growing and growing and growing. And then God was moving in things in her life. She moved out of the state, moved in with a relative, and started going to church in that state. Well, I got a message from her not too long ago, probably about three years ago. And she said, I just want you to know I'm doing really good. I got married to a Christian man. You know, we have our own house. I'm in church. I'm doing so good. Thank you for all those years ago, what y'all did for me. And I love y'all and, you know, miss your ministry and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, I've thought of that many times. You know, when we allow grace and love to flow, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I know what a lot of people are thinking, are you kidding? She said, no, better not smoke pot. Well, maybe she did or maybe she didn't. You know, there's a scripture that's really good. It's over in Colossians. You ought to read it. It says, so walk ye in the Lord Jesus Christ as you've been taught. There's a lot of people that have even went to church for a lot of years and barely been taught anything. And that's the God-honest truth. But see, grace will enable you to correct people and deal with people in a way that doesn't crush them. You know, Gandhi said it. He goes, I would have become a Christian had I never met one. I mean, a person of his influence. And I don't know who he met. But they obviously did not express something that represented God very well. Praise the Lord. All right, back to Ephesians 4.32. We're going to finish up. Um, Ephesians 4.32. Well, I'm, I'm going to just blow through this real quick. Be ye kind. So that's part of the description of what being tenderhearted looks like. Kind, gentle gracious, showing grace, tenderness, one to another, tenderhearted, and now notice this, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. See, we got to forgive these offensive people. 
Listen, people are spiritually blind. It's not even that some of them want to be the way that they are. The, The enemy seeks to blind people. And I mean, I've talked to some of these people. You give them the scriptures and just gloss over. That's why we pray for enlightenment. We pray for an awakening. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is bringing an awakening. He is. Don't you think he's not? Don't you think we're leaving this world without revival and without an awakening? There is an awakening about to take place in the earth to where people will see God and see the love of God and see the goodness of God and see who Jesus is and their need for him. But listen, we can't be ugly and Hold on to unforgiveness. People are not perfect. You're not perfect. It's the truth. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Boy, this is a message all in itself, and I don't have the time. But if you find it hard in your heart to be kind, gracious, tender-hearted, forgiving to people, especially in their spiritual darkness that they are in, you have forgotten. You have forgotten something, sir. You have forgotten something, man. You have forgotten what you have received from God. See, all of these things, God's saying, I want you to express to the world what you've received from me. Because I don't know about you, there was a day, I was just seven years old, and I heard the gospel And I knew that I needed to receive forgiveness from God. How about you? Did you receive his forgiveness? Then you ought to be willing to give it. Because you've received it. Hallelujah. Uh, Can I give you some more scriptures? Y'all just seem really thrilled about it. But I'm going to just give you, let me just give you a couple of really good ones. I thought this was really good. That slide number three, I thought this was so good. This is Proverbs uh, 28, 14 in the message translation. It says, a tender-hearted person lives a blessed life. A hard-hearted person, a hard-hearted person. Who's that? That's the person who their hearts have become cold. Hardened. Remember the Bible talks about how Pharaoh... His heart was hardened. That can happen to people. A hard-hearted person lives a hard life. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. But a hard-hearted person, that's terrible. You, You lose your joy. You lose your happiness. You don't love people right. You don't have any compassion for people anymore. I tell you 
tell you another thing that happens, and people don't even recognize it as it's happening, but the harder their heart gets, they start pushing people away. They stop listening to God. They stop listening to the people that God sent into their life to help them. It's the truth. And I'm going to tell you something else. They don't fulfill the will of God. You will not fulfill the will of God being hard-hearted. You know how I know that? Because the will of God for each and every person includes reaching people. I know I love the Lord, but I don't like people. Well, you need to change that. You need to change that if you're going to fulfill the will of God because the will of God for each and every one of our lives includes people. But I love what it says, uh, that first part of that. A tender-hearted person lives a blessed life. You want a blessed life? You want a good quality life? A fulfilled life? Having a tender heart? towards people, towards God, it's required. It's necessary. Praise the Lord. Uh, put that fourth slide up there. Y'all getting anything out of this? And, I mean, this is really, this was enlightening to me. I don't know about you, but very enlightening to me. I love this. Psalms 103, verse 8 in the Passion Translation. It says, Lord, you're so kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it. Isn't that wonderful of God to not give people what they deserve? Did God give you what you deserved? No. If he did, we'd all be on our way to hell. We'd, li we'd live pathetic, sick, cursed, miserable lives on this earth, and then die and go to hell. If God gave us what we deserved. So if God didn't give us what we deserve, and he's tender-hearted to people that don't deserve it, what's our excuse? For having such an ugly attitude. Use me, Lord. Use me. Use me. Well, get your heart right towards people. <laughs> this is all right. Lord, you're so kind and tender hearted to those who don't deserve it and so patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. See, that's what the love of God looks like. That's what the love of God looks like. And then look at this one in uh, Psalms 130, verse 7 in the Passion Translation. It says, Oh, Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord. Look, these three words again, all together. For he's tenderhearted, he's kind, and forgiving, and he has a thousand ways to set you free. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? Well, that's encouraging. 
your back's up against the wall, something, you know, I'm telling you, God's got a thousand ways to do it for you. Hallelujah. He's not limited. He's got a thousand ways to do it for you. But, I, but, though, but that, that's what he is. He's tenderhearted. He's kind and he's forgiving. And that's what tenderheartedness looks like. Can I give you one more scripture? Colossians 3 and verse 12. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. It says, clothe yourselves. You know, uh, when, it, when it talks about these things, it's really talking about clothing yourself in your mind. Put on this thinking. Put this in your mind. Put this in your thoughts. Therefore, as God's own chosen ones, His own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God Himself. Who's that talking about? That's talking about me. That's talking about us. By putting on behavior marked by, noted by, tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourself, gentle ways, and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. So this is what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to put this in our thinking, that we are here to be a light. We are here to give out and express out of us the love of God, the life of God to a hurting world. This world is so desperate for an answer. I mean, I have never in my lifetime seen the downward spiral of the world around me. Has it, I mean, does anybody else feel that way? I mean, it's like spiraling out of control. But God has a plan. I said God has a plan to move in this time. God has a harvest that he is after. You know, when, when you look out there and, and you see all these things happening, you see people coming in the masses for different things, and, and you know, they're just confused and they're just, you know, angry or whatever. I'm thinking, that's the harvest. That's why we're still here. Because I'm telling you, there's a cry in the heart of every person. They may, they may curse God, damn God. They may spit in our face. But I'm telling you, there's something on the inside of them that knows God is God. There's something on the inside of them that knows Jesus is the answer for their life. And I tell you, we got to be vocal and we got to be visible and we got to be expressing the true nature and personality of God, the grace of God, the kindness of God, that He's a good God. See, we get that. We know He's been good to us. We got to express that to the world because they don't know who He is. But when they come in contact with us, they can come in contact with their answer. They can come in contact with somebody that's real. Why can't we just be real with who God is? You know what I mean? This put on stuff of, you know, I got to seem anointed or the glory seen. Shut up! 
Just tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Just tell somebody how Jesus has helped you and changed your life and, and turned your life around. Just be real with it. Amen. Just express kindness and goodness to those around you. That's a seed. You know, we, were, we were talking about Sister Tanya at her, at her going home service. You know, those God seeds. I call them God seeds. A God seed can change somebody's life. Just a seed of love, a seed of encouragement, a seed of a prayer. A seed of I'm reaching out to you. Seed of I just want to bless you. Telling you, it can change somebody's life. We were at a, a, a memorial service not too long ago, and, and somebody got up. It was about Jeremy's aunt, and I guess she had given uh, one of her nephews a, a Kenneth Copeland devotional, daily devotional. Anybody ever seen, you know, Brother sister copeland's devotional and he got up there he said this book changed my life he said when she gave this to me she gave this to me for christmas he goes and i didn't know why she gave me a devotional i wasn't even saved <laughs> devotions you know what i mean what's that he said, but I got in that devotional and every day I'd go to the next day and next day and next day. And he said, through that devotional, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Seed. Seed. But see, your heart's got to be tender and pliable and soft to even want to sow it. We got to stay tender hearted. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of that tonight? I think I kept you a little longer than I meant to, but, you know, I, I really, I'm thankful to God that he's leading us. I'm really thankful to God that he's helping us. Amen? Because I don't want to be hard-hearted. I don't want to be stiff-necked. <laughs> we read about them in the Bible, those stiff-necked people, hard-hearted people. The outcome is never good, but for those who remain tender. And I tell you, just, just be so pliable to God right now. Be During this time, just do what He wants you to do. Throw your plans in the trash. You know what I mean? Just throw them in the trash. And say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll sow in whoever you want me to sow in. I just want to do your will. I just want to do your will and tell everybody I can about your goodness. Amen. Amen. Let's just thank him tonight for that. Father, thank you. Thank you for this great plan that you have for us. This great plan that you have for the church. God, I thank you that you're helping us to be watchful over what we're allowing in our hearts. The attitude, our attitude against people, our attitude towards the world. Father, we got to keep it in line with the love of God. We got to keep it in line with the same attitude that you had towards those around you that were lost. And that was you stayed so soft and so compassionate towards them. Help us in this area to see how we can better develop, how we can better grow in this, because this is the way to reach the world. 
is through the love of God. And so we give you praise and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. If you're watching tonight and you've never been born again, I want to tell you, don't wait another day. Don't do it. Don't wait another day. Give your life to Jesus Christ tonight, right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Just pray this prayer with me. Just believe it in your heart. Just as, as, you're, as you're repeating these words, just shut your eyes and just say these words to God. Can you do that? Just do it right now. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for my sin. I receive salvation in Jesus' name. I call upon the name of the Lord and I thank you that in doing that, I am saved. I give you thanks for that in Jesus' name.